You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver Media Podcast. The True North Eager Beaver Podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Good morning and hello, kids. Welcome to episode number 27 of Just a Nibble, the Not Quite Daily Beaver. For those moments when you still want your beaver grizzly goodness, but just don't have time for a whole bite. Today, recording day, is Monday, December 12th, 2022, and it will be a sunny winter wonderland here at the Beaver Lodge, for we got our first serious snow of the year yesterday. I'm your host, the eager beaver, pronouns he, him, he. Mr. Beaveray, and I am doing cartwheels kits that you have joined us today for our morning show. Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Misfy Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. Good morning, Kit Linda. Good morning, the Kit Realist PJ. Good morning, Kit Elaine. I hope you're doing even better today than you were on Friday. Uh, In the headlines, uh, in the last episode, we said we'd talk a little bit about C21 and health, the intro, and we never got around to it. So today we will do that. (laughs) We just got the gift of the gab and we went off. But we will touch on those today. And uh, before we go any further, let's say hello to our podcast's fine and most handsome friend. Good morning, Mr. Grizzly. How's your mental health today? Well... First off, uh, flattery will get you everywhere in my books, so thank you for that compliment. Um, You're most welcome. I'm uh, mentally all over the map. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and actually, I, I feel pretty good at the moment. I'm not 100%, but I feel pretty good. But I had a, a um, you know, one of the side effects of Zoloft is the, well, at least for me personally, everybody, it's different. There's a couple of side effects. There's... I'm not going to get into all of them, but weight gain can be one. That's not an issue with me. Um, extremely vivid dreams, that's mine. Uh, along with, I used to wear contact lenses all the time, but uh, the medication says one of the possible side effects is it makes it really uncomfortable to wear them. So I only wear them now if I'm skiing or playing hockey because otherwise it feels like I have sandpaper in my eyes the whole time. But uh, yeah, I just it's incredibly vivid dreams last night that were not good. And uh, when I woke up at first, it took me a little while to realize it was not reality. So, mm. yeah, yeah, that's where I am. <laughs> if that if that Ooh. makes any sense to anybody, I don't yeah. know if it does. Yeah, I had, I don't remember what the dream was, oddly enough. But just before I woke up, I was having one. And you know, sometimes when you wake up and you're actually crying. Ever had a dream like that where you wake up and you're crying? I don't. I don't. I don't recall anything like that, but probably, you know, at some point in time, but I certainly don't recall it. 
this was a yeah, the, the so. dream I had was self harm. Ooh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't that I was harming myself in the dream. It, it was that I was talking about it because I was feeling that way in the dream, and it freaked a yeah. lot of people out that I was talking to. But when I woke up, and I'm like, but I don't feel that way. It was a dream, right? Right. Yeah. It's because yeah. they're so vivid on this medication that it feels like reality. Like I've I've had fights in my dream and yeah. wake up in a sweat, flexed, punching my pillow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm not yeah, kidding. For me, it's, yeah. <laughs> for me, I don't know what it is, but if there's something that's ha- that's really sad that happens in a dream, I actually wake up with like with tears in my eyes. Oh wow. I don't. I don't yeah. recall if that's ever happened to me. Um, yes, I, I did wanted to give a shout out to Elaine. Thanks. I was. We were chatting on the weekend, and she's she's at home recovering, doing much better now. So we're all very happy to hear that, and uh, hopefully things turn out really well in the long run. Because after we had uh, she she and I had a, a talked a little bit, and and uh, I I think she'll see drastic improvements in her life in the near future after after recovery because it does take time to recover from from an event like that right so we're, we're we're giving you the best possible vibes we can elaine and we hope for a, the speediest of all possible recoveries i completely concur i completely concur and uh still um amazed that you're making time for us every morning and right? we are definitely happy to have you uh that's a uh, dedication that's a a loyal listener as you say (laughs) well i mean my goodness she was in the hospital when she messaged me the other day that you know uh, on watching us while she was in the hospital i'm like wow yeah wow but hey you know if we if we can help lift you up a little bit bring a little bit of brightness to your day as well as inform you then that's mission accomplished as far as i'm concerned i completely concur and good morning, Kit Hugh. Nice of you to join us. Lovely to see you. Uh, Kits, if you uh, haven't uh, been on the Dean Blundell website uh, lately, um, Kit Hugh uh, actually got to write his uh, first article for uh, the site. Oh, I missed uh, that. Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. After, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know if we, we can say that we... Uh, he got an eager beaver bump. <laughs> sure. I know Colbert says that he's got the Colbert bump, but. <laughs> we'll, we'll take whatever we can uh, get, right? Yeah. Well, you know, however, however it is, we can uh, elevate. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm looking for it because I can't find the title. Here it goes. Uh, Canadian government's changes to Bill C-21 are unproductive and self-defeating, uh, which is unproductive and self-defeating is a quote by Hugh Culleton uh, at, uh, on the deanblundell.com uh, news site. Uh, and I, I actually saw this after I had written uh, the little bit that I had mm-hmm. about C-21. Uh, now, this is... How would I put it? Um, I'm not, I'm, let's put it this way. I'm very much, if you know the fable of the, the city rat and the country mouse, mm-hmm. the country, right? I am definitely a city rat. City, <laughs> city mouse and country my mouse. Life. Yeah. City house, country mouse. I'm definitely a city mouse, right? I've lived in urban areas all my life. Um, I've, I think I might have held a BB gun once or maybe one of those like air rifles that like 
Super X where mm-hmm. you're trying to like yeah yeah shoot out the know, target a little, to get, shoot yeah. a little star out or something like that. But I've never held a serious gun. Uh, I don't know the first thing about them. You know, if you're t- talking to me about you know barrel size and you know the rate at which the bullets come out, and I mean there are technical terms for all of this. Um, you know, I'll just basically be looking at you and you know, batting my eyelashes and inside my head, I'm going to be hearing the dull clunk of a cowbell because it just really doesn't mean anything to me whatsoever. Uh, but, you know, Q, you know, given his military background, right. obviously would know, right, about these types of things. So um, it's a good article, uh, you know, very nuanced, which is uh, really of nice course. because in this discussion, you know, we tend to lose that right away. Right, people just—you're either pro-gun or you're anti-gun, and that's pretty much all, as far as it goes. And you know, and there's no middle ground. But I was listening to a podcast uh, to try and get some information on this because definitely not my area of expertise <laughs> by any strength, uh, any stretch, I should mean. And uh, I was listening to something with Matt Gurney. Now. He typically writes for National Posts. So I was taking some with some stuff with some grain of salt and trying to get the most factual information out of it. But when I saw uh, Kit Hughes' article, um, you know, because you want to get more than one source, uh, I noticed that it was um, pretty faithful. That Gurney was pretty faithful, mm-hmm. um, you know, and where he was clear that stuff was his personal opinion. It, it was, but I think it was on, on a podcast called The Big Story. Um, and, uh, so to give a little survey, none of, not a lot of this is my own stuff. This is stuff that I've like picked up and I've tried to put together, you know, the most basic stuff in Kit Hugh, uh, since you're on today, if you're on, uh, if I'm wrong on anything, just put something in the chat and I'll correct myself along the way. Pardon? Let us know. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, the gun control um, system that we have now was pretty much introduced in the Cretan era and very, very crudely. Now I know that there are people that are here that know more. Uh, so, but very, very crudely, according to Gurney, this is the way, uh, he said it, uh, they're basically classified into three categories, non-restricted firearms, which are your basic shotguns and rifles. And you need a license for those restricted firearms. And for those, there are more, conditions so you know of course higher conditions for storage uh, tougher licensing requirements more training safety exams uh, tougher background checks and those cover most handguns and some kind of some kind of rifles there's a group with there. with clip and, yeah uh see, see i wouldn't have known that and then there was stuff that has you know they're prohibited and uh yeah, so those are the typical, yeah, th- those types of things. Yeah, and, you're not allowed uh, to have a clip with more than five rounds in it in Canada. I've, by the way, something you may not know about me, I've taken yes. multiple hunting and, and rifle safety courses. Okay. I'm, I'm certified in the province of Ontario, Quebec, and New Brunswick, and I don't have an FAC, I don't own a weapon, and I have no need to own one because I don't, I don't need one. I'm not a hunter, but I've taken all the courses because knowledge is, is your friend, knowledge is power, and, and uh, most hunters that I know... Uh, in my family, uh, relatives, they use bolt-action rifles because their take on it is if you if you if you need more than one shot to fell a deer or a moose, you probably shouldn't be out in the bush. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, and but 
people that had them at the point were grandfathered, but they weren't able to sell them or pass them mm-hmm. down to That's another right. person who didn't have such a license. That was sort of the, the situation at the time. Uh, the problem is, is that politically, uh, over time, there were lots of exceptions that became carved out, right? Um, so things, some technical standards like length of a barrel, rate of fire, mm-hmm. the type of ammo used, all that type of stuff. Uh, you know, people were going, oh, well, gee, this gun is in the non-restricted category. You know, something happened. Maybe it should be in the restricted category. And, oh, these ones are in the prohibited, but we're getting a lot of heat. So maybe we should bring them down to the restricted. And basically, situation became that, you know, things were pretty much a mess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the rules were very, very confusing uh, from a lot of people. And, you know, it's almost like you had to double check and triple check anytime you got something to see whether or not you were okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, according to him, uh, most gun crime in Canada is foreign. Uh, and uh, the sort of untold story is that our gun control laws actually work quite well for what it is that they're supposed to do, which is regulating the lawful domestic sale and usage of guns by licensed people, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so about 80 or 90% of the firearms used in violent shootings can be traced back to the United States. So we, you know, we hear people talking about it's about the smuggling and whatnot. I mean, it seems to be that that's really is the case. And that's not just a conservative line. It's the case. Um, now, when Trudeau ran... Uh, well, now Prime Minister Trudeau ran in 2015. He promised to get tough on guns, uh, and he introduced B- Bill C-71. And it seems that the dirty little secret about that is, you know, sometimes in government you pass a law, and it doesn't really do much, but you sort of fluff it up to make it appear that you're doing a lot. Mm-hmm. It seems that in this case there wasn't that much done, that it didn't change all that much. Now, that's according to Gurney. I'm not sure how true that is. I'm not sure if that one's an editorial statement or not. So, uh, but it said that it didn't really change much. And it was basically, in his opinion, a tacit acknowledgement that things were working relatively fine. Um, then uh, came the shooting in New Zealand, right? And uh, Jacinda Ardern, in the space of about like a week and a half, had passed this type of, had passed a law uh, that was praised uh, by lots of, um, people on the left Mm -hmm. and how her efficiency at getting it done. And that kind of set the standard. Um, And basically people in the firearms community in Canada were saying, as soon as that passed it, that passed, we're like, "Uh Oh, you know, he Trudeau, prime minister Trudeau is going to try and do something because of that, take another step. Mm -hmm. Um, And, 2019 came along and via an order in council, um, basically uh, 1,500 what's are called military style assault rifles right. uh, were banned. Now, according to Gurney, the, the problem it comes when you say military style assault rifle because that's almost like trying to create a fourth category very nebulous. Um, so that's about the extent of my knowledge on that. And he said it wasn't really like 1,500 different weapons, but it was sort of like, if you look at a car, it's the Honda Civic. Well, it's like, it's the Honda Civic and the Honda Civic, you know, special edition and right. the Honda Civic with, you know, 
uh, CD player and the Honda Civic with air conditioning and the Asana, you know. Yeah, it's just all the additives. Yeah, all the additives. So it was really more like a couple of dozen, really, and then everything else that you could go with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, then came the Nova Scotia shooting in the Porta Peak area, uh, which was the you know deadliest shooting in Canadian history. Right, um, and uh, basically you know, came along Bill C-21. Um, and on B, there's been lots of consultations and stuff, but no real, real action. And then Bill C-21 came along. Uh, and it was, uh, everything seemed to be going fine, more or less, with that. And uh, during the Public Order Emergency Commission, uh, there's a liberal MP named Paul Chiang, who decided that he was going to introduce an amendment uh so a liberal MP was introducing an amendment to a liberal bill. And in that literal, and apparently, again, this is Gurney says it, mm-hmm. that when you looked at the stack of papers that was the original proposed legislation and then the amendment, the amendment stack was like almost six times as high as the original bill. Okay. And in that bill, um, you know, that's where the, all the other Issues. firearms... Pardon? All the other issues come from? Yeah, all the other questions. It all comes from from there, what, what's in and defined in there. So there was a, it was supposed to be a handgun freeze, and then, as an amendment, these things came along. Right. Now, I don't know if that's, you know, post-Duval Day, you know, post-other, because there were several high-profile shootings in the U.S., and then, I mean, Colorado happened after. So I don't know if they tried to take that opportunity, and I don't know if... You know, the Public Order Emergency Commission was supposed to be a shield while that was going on. Let's try to slip this in. I don't know. Um, now, apparently, uh, in the original bill, um, there's a revamp of the three traditional categories. And apparently, technically, it's more coherent. So things, for example, if it has an external magazine or fire center fire ammunition, and I do not know what these terms mean, uh, but that's what he was saying. Clip. We're going to prohibit all of them. And that, uh, but in the amendment itself, uh, that catches thousands of models of hunting guns. Mm-hmm. And that would, uh, you know, there are millions of them in Canada and many, many individuals own them. Um, there's, there's a high rate of gun ownership in this nation. It always, it's been yes. that way for decades. It's, there's no, yes. it's no secret that what we need to understand though, is that you, you have, Individuals with hunting rifles, shotguns, 410s, 12-gauge, so on and so forth, 305s, 3-06, those are fine for hunting. Bolt-action rifles are fine. You do not need a semi-automatic rifle with a 30-round magazine clip. Clip magazine, same thing. You don't need it. There's no need for that. Uh, why you want to have an assault rifle to go hunting a deer is because you're a terrible shot and you shouldn't have a rifle, period. Mm-hmm. I, 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 look, I have no personal skin in the game when it comes to this because I don't own a gun. I have no desire to own a rifle of any type. I don't want a firearm. I don't like them around me. I don't want to own one. I want nothing to do with it. Do some people are getting bent out of shape because you have certain conservative politicians who are harping on about how they're coming to take your guns. Nobody's getting their guns taken from them to begin with. They are restricting firearms. If you already own it, you can continue to own it. There's very strict rules. If you have a 60-round clip for your firearm, 
you are in violation of the rules and that clip will be taken from you and they may take your firearm. There is a buyback program that is in place as well, much like they did in Australia and Tasmania and New Zealand. They're, no, they're not coming into your home to take your rifle away from you. They're just trying to make it so that if you're a hunter, you have the tools you need to hunt. And that's it. There's no need for anybody in this country to own a pistol unless you have uh, a pistol at a shooting range and you are an Olympic shooter. There's no reason to have a handgun. Police officers have sidearms. Soldiers have sidearms. But that's a backup weapon in a battle, a battle scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Kit Hero says that the, the Aussies did a buyback they did. properly. They did a very okay, good so. buyback. And, and yeah. every now and then they've done it here in the city where they have a program called Pistols for Pixels. They're not doing it anymore because times have changed, but they, at the time what they did here in the city of Ottawa was if you turn in a handgun, we'll give you a digital camera. Mm. They had that deal a few years ago, but now everybody has a digital, a high quality digital camera in their pocket on their phone. So that's not, you know, not really a thing anymore, but you know, there, there, there are programs in place to get guns off the street. The other thing that people seem to forget about when it comes to gun safety is that it's not always about keeping you safe from somebody shooting you. It's keeping you safe from shooting yourself. Mm-hmm. And because a high rate of firearm deaths in the United States of America yeah. is suicide. And it's something like yeah. 50 or 60%, I think. It's really yeah. high. And yeah. NRA and doesn't about, talk about that either. Yeah, and it's also about people keeping people safe in the in their home because as we mentioned in a show quite a while ago, uh, so I don't have the numbers on the top of my head, but if you're living in a house that has a gun, mm-hmm. Your rate if of, you're yes. not the gun owner, this, your, the rate of your, the odds of yourself being shot with that gun or being killed with that gun go I've up gone up exponentially, yes. particularly if you're a woman. Well, and look, Hugh just put up the, 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 the Canada suicide is the biggest use for handguns. Yeah, again. And rifles for so, that matter. Yeah. So Kit Hugh says that, uh, you know, you did a, uh, agreed with you with uh, on the things that you were saying so the problems come uh the problems have come with this amendment that it seems that um the people from the government uh you know the governing party were not particularly well briefed and didn't really have good talking points about what was in the amendment um they're pretty much all over the place Mm -hmm. the other uh, major problem and uh this came to a head over the past few days is that while the original legislation uh, had good consultation with uh, was done with good consultation with the indigenous community appropriate meaningful consultation because you know there are a lot of hunters within the indigenous community of course um, there was absolutely no consultation with the indigenous community on the amendment now the governing party should have known that if they did not consult <laughs> on something that was on an amendment that was going to include hunting rifles with the indigenous community to use as hunting rifles, right. that this probably would not be a good idea. And yet they did it anyway. So you know that thing we talk about often, the governing liberals often uh, having this infuriating habit of scoring own goals? Mm-hmm. 
This is one of them. This is one of them. They went out a little bit over their skis and they just tried to do something quickly. They didn't do the appropriate consultation. It was probably, Matt Gurney himself says, it was probably one of those situations, say, hey, can we do this as well? And then public services presented them something. And because there's not a very many people within the Liberal Party who are gun experts, I uh, said, yeah, this sounds good. Let's do that. And now they're realizing that this is not good. Well, <laughs> and what I don't understand is the former Minister of Defense uh, form your own opinion of the man, but he was a soldier who served in Afghanistan. So why isn't he on this file? He would know more about uh, uh, firearms than just about anybody. Mm. I mean, military trained. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, Bill puzzling. Blair is there too. Yeah, exactly. Former police officer, retired police yeah. officer. Yeah. So... And then, as a result, uh, at uh, with uh, with the AFN, um, they recently had uh, the gathering of the the chiefs, mm-hmm. and um, they passed a resolution um, against the new bill, uh, or at least the amended bill, uh, because legitimately nothing about us without us. So, Kit Bond, you're, this you is are like, correct. This, yeah. So, I so just it's, wanted to say it's correct. Kit Bond, he says military, sorry, military trained does not mean efficient, and you are correct about that. <laughs> Source, Yes. I'm military. <laughs> so you are correct, sir, you are. Yeah. So um, I'm not quite sure uh, why they went this route. You know, again, especially, you know, there's a couple of times with the indigenous community, even though, you know, they say that they're, they're with them and they're trying to do better, and they are doing mm-hmm. better. Yes. overall that they just keep on tripping on themselves and again for no apparent reason there's i mean if they wanted to do this there was a way to do this that would have been clean for lack of a better word but they just yeah dropped a big stack of amendments and said yeah we didn't consult with anybody and here we go we're just trying to slip it through and i just strategically i can't figure out what the thinking was there because anybody with a minimum of political strategy in that whole group would have been able to tell them, should have been able to tell them, this is not going to work out well for you. Mm-hmm. And it's not working out well for them because now now this is an issue. The original legislation was going by with the regular sort of conservative ranting and whatnot, mm-hmm. but not more than that. And every you know the block and the NDP were agreeing with this and, and it was just going to go through. Now the block has become very, very quiet and the NDP of all the parties is the one that's really, le- the conservatives are doing what the conservatives do, right? They, they got themselves do, ejected yeah. from the house, you know, like this, and they're making these big scenes and they're doing all the fundraising and all that kind of stuff and say, see, he literally is coming for your guns. The NDP here is the one that's having the nuanced re- uh, response. And that's because, you know, even though the NDP only has 25 seats, uh, 13 of them are in BC, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are not necessarily in urban in, in, in Ontario. A lot of them are in northern Ontario, and they're not necessarily right in the ur- more urban areas. So among their constituents, constituents when they're more rural states, they do have a lot of gun owners. So they're the one that actually has the radically reasonable, and it's the liberals and the conservatives that are at both extreme poles in this particular debate. Um, so... Oddly enough, uh, the NDP is the one that's benefiting politically from uh, this, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's, a, it's just a mess. 
it's just it a is. mess. Um, now, Kit Hugh, if uh, oh oh darn, uh, if you want to talk about this, be glad to give you an interview sometime. The devil's in the details. It's a complicated and esoteric issue. Uh, let yeah. me know if I got anything wrong before you go, uh, if you have the time. Uh, but I'm hoping that I gave sort of like this overview. And this is like the overview from a perspective from someone that's never held a real gun like you, you know. And I'm thinking that maybe one day, maybe, you know. Go to the range? To <laughs> yeah, maybe thanks to Kit Hugh, maybe go try something so I know a little bit more what I'm talking about at some point. Uh, because that's always the thing, right? It's like you don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, go find out. Go find and, it. And, yeah. you know, and I'm sure, you know, in a safe area with proper safety one at a like, range at a rifle I, I, range i could probably see how things would be fun i mean i'm a, a little bit of a jock the way that i think <laughs> uh Hugh says you guys nailed it so okay good so we gave proper information excellent um so that's basically where things stand on that uh on that issue and uh i wanted to mention it uh in particular because um it's showing up in the polls a little bit um i wrote uh, i don't know if the kits have, uh, i've been promoting a lot but i've uh, started writing for the site uh, as well uh again i had a couple of articles a while ago and then uh, for some reason um gremlins got into my uh username and password yeah that <laughs> happens back on the site uh so they fixed that again so i've started uh writing and um uh, well, this, unfortunately, in the article, the visuals did not translate very well. For some reason, they're a little fuzzy. Uh, but uh, here we go. I will uh, put some things up for you, Mr. Yeah, I was Grizzly. checking it earlier. They're hard, they, they are there, but they're hard to see. They are um, very, 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 very faint. hard to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how to get better quality ones. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, so I will uh, share the individual things that I have here. There you go, Mr. Grizzly. Yeah, I can't put that up. It's It's gone haywire. Yeah, why is that flashing? That I don't is know. very, I don't know. very, very I, I've got, I've got, I've got it here. Just give me a sec. I'll pull it up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You'll have to boot that and bring it back probably. It, it, it's uh, gone a little okay. haywire. <laughs> don't ask me very, why. Very Technology can be funny when it wants to be. Yeah, I think. Pardon? Technology can be finicky when it chooses to be finicky. Oh, tech. Yes. There we go. Let me just go to the, the actual website and that will be easier. All right. Let's try that. Does that work better? That works. There you go. Okay, here we go. So the national number, uh, Kits, if you, as you can see, since about May, the conservatives have pretty much been on lead on the national number. Now, when you watch the news, they'll tell you the top line number, right? Conservatives in the lead, conservatives in the lead. And that's been the narrative uh, for the while. But as you can see, right around here, uh, May is around the time that the leadership race and the conservatives started, mm -hmm. right? And Ramp up you know, the rhetoric. Yeah, PP did that whole thing, you know, where he basically made that big announcement, big splash, and presented himself as inevitable and running for prime minister. And they got a bump right here. And if you look correspondingly down here, the PPC is where they start to go down. Mm -hmm. So the PPC, you'll, have to, you'll have to scroll up a bit so the folks can see that. 
Oh, yes. There you go. Right there. So the PPC wackadoodle vote. This is May right here. You see it starts to go up here for the conservatives and down here for the PPC. Sorry at home uh, for people who are listening on podcasts, but they can't see it. If you want to follow along, if you go to 338.com, I'm on uh, the national numbers, uh, Canada federal vote projection graph. Um, And then in the liberals, you can see they're pretty much treading water here, right? From 32 to 34 the entire time. Um, Now, right here is September where PP wins, mm-hmm. it gets confirmed, and you get the honeymoon. Mm-hmm. But that's all the honeymoon lasted. Boom. One, two, three reporting periods. And then... Dip, 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 Starting dip. to go down like this. There's a little recovery right here, but it's basically progressively going down. Whereas the liberals, They're this was the low point up. for the year, and progressively going up. And in the last two reporting periods, going down just a little bit, and those last two reporting periods happen to coincide with everything going wrong on BCL, Bill C-21. Hmm. So instead of conti- this bump continuing to rise based on the Public Order Emergency Commission testimony in which Prime Minister Trudeau's, by all accounts, did very, very well and impressed, whoops, the growth suddenly hits a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Right? Conservatives are still going down, but the growth has hit a ceiling. Uh, and who's the beneficiary? Well, look over here. The NDP was starting to go down, almost annual lows, and whoops. Pops right back up again. Pops right back up. Now, those are for the mainline numbers. So if you're listening to the news and you're just listening to the top line numbers, you know, conservatives still leading since May and, you know, Pierre is inevitable and all that kind of stuff. But as we mentioned, in Canada, we're representation by population and you have the three largest provinces and, right, vote efficiency matters, which is why the bloc always does so well. Right? They only have 7% of the vote, but it's all concentrated within 58 seats. So they end up getting a whole bunch of seats out of it. Whereas you know, the Greens, who also, you know, two elections ago, also had a million votes. And that only landed them three seats because their vote is spread out through the entire country. Right? And if you look at this graph too, there's a slight, slight uptick for the Greens too after, after having uh, brought back in Elizabeth May along with Jonathan Pedno to try and uh, correct the ship. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as in Canada, what matters is seats. So if you go to the seat projection, you see here, around September was the time that uh, Skippy was elected. One, two, three, four reporting periods of growth, and boom, drop and flatline. And that was almost to all, all to the benefit of the Liberals, who over the past two reporting periods, boom, boom, little dip. Mm-hmm. Again, Bill C-21, the NDP in seats, we're at an annual low seat projection just four reporting periods ago. Whoops, back reverting to the mean for them. Uh, so at 27, which is you know, two more than they have now. And if you look at the probabilities of winning the most seats, the only two parties really in the race are the Liberals or the Conservatives. As you can see right around here, and right around here when it seemed to be clear that Pierre was going to win, one, two, three, four, five reporting periods and shooting right up like a rocket. And then, boom, precipitous drop. A little recovery, and then, boom, really precipitous drop. And the Liberals going up. So Liberals have 63% odds of winning the most seats, and the Conservatives only 36. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine reporting periods ago, right? The Conservatives, when they got the height of the honeymoon, were at over 70% chances of winning the most seats. So for the Conservatives, there's been about a 35% drop 
and their odds, their odds of winning the most seats in nine weeks. And that's partly due to, as we kept on saying, prolonged exposure to Skippy the Wonder Pigeon is not his friend. Oh, no. Right? To know, know, know him is to loathe, loathe, loathe him. And it seems that Canadians are getting a little tired of his act. Now, there are things, that's just the top line number, but there are things going on in certain areas uh, that are interesting. So if you look in Atlantic Canada, well, the Liberals have basically been owning that, right? They're in the lead, got a little tight here around July, but that's the closest it got. And, you know, it's just the spread is 12 points in Atlantic Canada. It's pretty much the same old story all the time. Um, in Quebec, however, a couple of interesting things going on. The Liberals are rising, a little dip here, at the expense of the Bloc. All of a sudden, we've just taken a drop. There's, there seems to be no apparent real reason why there's nothing serious going on in Quebec at the moment that would indicate any reason for the Bloc to have a drop. The Conservatives are going up. They're actually at annual highs, which is really interesting for Quebec. But their vote is also very concentrated in the province, mostly around the Quebec City region. And the NDP is also getting a little bump here. Um, the only thing, I, and this one's just mere speculation, I have no data, is that uh, Quebec really just doesn't see PP as being on their side. And when that happens, um, Quebecers know that their bread is buttered. When Quebecers realize that they don't have the luxury of fucking around to find out, mm. they go back to the liberals. And I don't think they want to find out what their future would be under a PP government. So that would be going up there. That's just speculation, no data, merely my opinion. I have nothing to base that on other than the Conservative Party in Quebec is often like oil and water. <laughs> During the whole Harper regime, um, you know, Quebec was the only province that saw through him the entire time. It's like, nope, don't like him. We'll never like him. Doesn't matter if he speaks French first. <laughs> we, we just don't like him. And uh, and I don't know why that took the rest of the nation a while to catch on, but Quebec just basically smelt him right off the bat. Then you get to Ontario. And here, as you can see, um, Around the time that PP won, there was a big gap, and that didn't take long whatsoever in Ontario. They just started not liking him, and it's been going down for four or five straight reporting periods. But here again, the NDP, where they have five of their 25 seats, so the province in which they have the second greatest amount, whoops, from annual lows, again, back reverting to the mean. So um, Now, if you get to the prairies... Some interesting things are happening here. The conservative number is taking a bit of a dip. Now, the conservatives are leading the closest rival by 16 points, so they're not <laughs> not in any den, not at any risk over here. But there is a bit of a dip. Now, that could be the premier's uh, you know, performance because you know Heather Stephenson is, according to Angus Reid, the least appreciated let's put it that way, premier in the entire country. And she's not even hitting 30%. I mean, she's drowning. Mm. Right? And there's an election coming within a year. The election's next October. Um, so hopefully we'll be getting rid, hopefully the election in May will get rid of the conservatives in Alberta and the election in October will get rid of the conservatives out of Manitoba. And that uh, for all the Canadians that are fearing a uh, uh, 
Skippy-led national government where seven of the 50 provinces are led, said seven provinces with 50% of the population are led by conservative governments, which allows them to change the constitution any way they want. Mm. It'd probably be a good idea to switch a couple of those provincial governments at the first opportunity. Well, did you see on the weekend where Mo, Scott Moe was at the IDU and Stephen Harper was praising Scott Moe for the wonderful job he's done in the province of Saskatchewan? And I'm like, fucking planet do you live on <laughs> he's still the second most popular premier the people in saskatchewan are loving him for some reason i again i still can't figure it out i don't get can't it figure it out i don't get it either um so and then in the prairies however is where you see throughout the course of the year this is where you really start to see the ppc scroll, drop right? scroll oh there we go the ppc drop right they were about seven or eight percent and now they're down to four they've lost almost half their support like this. And that all went to the conservatives, right? Because they're certainly not going NDP or liberal. <laughs> so um, then you get to Alberta. Alberta is as Alberta always is. Yeah. Right. There's like statistically insignificant drops still leading by 30%. The NDP and the liberals are going up a little bit. But here again, you also see the PPC, which were almost at 10%. They're down to four. Down to four again. Good. Right. Get rid of them. Um, yeah. They're a non-party, and all they do is foment anger, hatred, racism, bullshit, spreading mis and disinformation that get people harmed. Yeah, and then I'll skip over BC for a moment and just go to the territories. Uh, and again, here, things are pretty much... The territories, there's the only three seats. Currently, two are uh, occupied by liberals and one by the NDP. Uh, you know... But right around here, two weeks ago, boom, boom, a divergence. Strange. Right? One of the MPs, the MP for Nunavut, is um, is, in, is is from NDP. Uh, oh, her name is Lori. Oh, darn. Uh, her last name escapes me at the moment. Hold on, let me look it up. Well, in uh, other news, you know that Danielle Smith's Sovereignty Act was passed, which means now that um, now that that's happened, um, according to her, uh, if they had the Sovereignty Act uh, passed some time ago, they could have um, used it to um, prevent people from using paper straws. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that because I want to finish this part, please. <laughs> um, so her name is Lori Idlet. Uh, and um, she is uh, indigenous. Um, so in the territories, if you look on the seat count, if an election was going to happen now, uh, one of the liberal seats would flip to the NDP, mm. the territories. Um, now we get to BC, and this is the area in Canada that has been the most interesting poll-wise all year long, all year long. So if you look at the federal vote projection, up until May, basically a three-way horse race. Right, Liberals are leading here, NDP is leading here, conservatives are leading here, all in the space of a couple months. And then boom, PP makes himself inevitable. Whoa, look at this shoot right up. Mm -hmm. Then he wins. Whoa, look at that. Annual highs, like by a lot. And then boom, sudden drop. Almost all to the benefit of the NDP. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Greens, their leadership campaign and race went very well. They're back up to 
down there. And then the PPC, again, another big drop, almost by, by also half, right? There are about 6% and they're down to three. You think they, uh, in, the PPC drop is because they've, they've moved on to the CPC? Do you think that's what it was? Yeah, because, I mean, Pierre, you know, was Mr. Convoy. Yeah. Yeah. So all of the, while well, Aaron O'Toole was leading, they didn't think that, you know, he was very serious on their side, but PP, they believe he's on his side. So until, until he starts modulating and starts wavering and all that type of stuff, they're going to be with him until like they find out that, you know, he's not really, if, I mean, if PP figures out that what he's doing right now is not working for him and decides to try to move to the center, they'll just drop him like a hot potato. Right, because as we keep on saying, when you're very ideological and you're not delivering, you're not giving people the red meat they want, then somebody's bound to come along and say, "Hey, I'll treat you right," and then people go. I mean, that's how PP got them in the first place, but that's how you can lose them as well. But if you look in terms of seats, right, and because in British Columbia, um, it's pretty much carved out. There's a region that's green. There's a region in the province that's conservative. There's a region that's NDP and there's a region that's liberal and almost never the twain shall meet. Um, you know, there was this big gap that opened as soon as he won the leadership and then it's reverted back. So for all the difference in the numbers, the, the big num top line number, there's only a range of three seats between them. The conservatives at 15, the liberals at 14 and the NDP at 12. So, Pretty much everybody has their little territory. So when you take all those numbers up and you stack them together, that's how you get the conservatives with a 1% lead, but the liberals, because their vote is both efficient in the areas where it is, urban areas, and diffuse enough, right? They have the most efficient and the most efficient diffuse vote, mm -hmm. if you would put it that way. Uh, so that's why they end up being uh, close. And uh, in the range, if you look at the entire range, uh, of seats for that they can get um, the high end of the range still has them in majority territory only six percent chances of a majority but you know uh, but they can still on a very 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 good election day get there um, so as you can see there are certain provinces in particular uh, where blc21 based on this data seems to have affected them and slowed their growth and uh, the conservatives, of course, seem to have hit a ceiling. And um, so far, he's not changing his tactic. He seems to be quite happy to be doing what he's doing. Uh, but if this uh, downtrend, particularly in BC, because that's the one that's sort of putting him over the edge at the moment, um, if this continues to drop for him, uh, there'll start to be some rumblings within the party. And, you know, right now everybody's pretty unified, but mm -hmm. all it takes is for them to see themselves starting to go down in the polls and all of a sudden the, the sniping starts. So um, that's pretty much what's going on in the polls uh, today as it relates uh, and how C21 is related to that, uh, kids. Um, you were mentioning, um, Daniel, um, and uh, sovereignty and uh yeah let's go there because this one is a pretty <laughs> it's a just, mess just but like come on lady okay really so as we keep on saying as we said in the last show right there's a inherent contradiction in daniel smith's rhetoric because she keeps on saying that she I really don't want to be able to use this legislation, you know? We've uh, passed it, and that seems to be, you know, 
simple enough. I mean, liberals are already making changes because of it. So maybe they're getting into their own lane type of discourse. Uh, while she's saying that, she's telling all her cabinet ministers, oh, please go through every single piece of liberal legislation so that you can find something that we can oppose. I really don't want to use it, but I'm going to look for every opportunity to use it. And if we're looking at every opportunity, like really, if you mean every opportunity, um, apparently um, the want to eliminate certain single-use plastics, particularly plastic straws, Mm-hmm. is an issue of such importance to Alberta sovereignty that it would qualify as one that would fall under her Just paper like, straws. Come on. Well, here, here's a headline from uh, our, our good friend David Glamenhaga. Have you seen this yet? Let me put this one out. This is the last straw. Daniel Smith lays down a red line. Ottawa must not cross. Mushy paper straws. Uh, I can't make this up, people. She actually went on a diatribe about this. We can't have paper straws. We could have used our Sovereignty Act to prevent paper straws and use single-use plastic straws, which we can recycle on our own. Except they don't get recycled, Danielle. They don't. If they did, we wouldn't have the problem that we currently have. Does she not seem to get that? Or is it more that she just doesn't care? Or just that she's really kind of dumb? I, I mean... It's not even that. It's 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 any pretext, right? As we mentioned on the last show, she's basically... She's walking around just dropping bait all over the forest hoping to catch a Trudeau bear. <laughs> I think that's what it is. You know? Like, what? Because, I, I mean, this is so ridiculous that, you know... Say, the human instinct when you hear something like that is like, oh, come the fuck on. Straws really like this, right? And, you know, it's a perfect opportunity to go to a mic, to just run to a mic and see. Right? See? 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 We told you she's she's not she's not right. She's not serious. She's not like this. And to go up. And that creates the dynamic that she wants, right? Her as a victim. Oh, yeah. You got a sidestep. But, but I mean, this is desperately throwing out bait. <laughs> Just a little bit. Desperately throwing out bait. Um, So while she's embarrassing herself with straws. Here's your um, quote. I got her quote here. I'll I'll throw it up. Okay. So how Uh, many people love the fact that they are now having to use paper straws? I can tell you because I have a restaurant. And when you're trying to give a kid a root beer float, you have to give them four paper straws because they get so destroyed. Jesus, lady. I just... uh, Do Do you know how many people I know that are parents, they have children, and what they did was they bought the stainless steel straws. Now, these aren't infants. These are 10, 12, 14-year-olds, and they take their straws with them everywhere they go. Yep, it's I have silicone thing. ones. Well, there you go. Right? You saw it. Yeah. Maybe. You saw it at, that, uh, at uh, the pump. I took one out at one point there mm-hmm. from, uh, to get to the bottom of that, <laughs> that bloody Caesar. This is from Tim McCaffrey. Ooh. To be fair, I hate paper straws, but seriously, she needs help. You know, the thing yeah. is, when I was growing up, paper straws were the thing. And mm-hmm. until they came along with plastic ones, it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, yeah. it's a big deal now. Yeah, and with paper straws, they're, for me personally, the little issue apparently is that um, 
they're making some of the, some of them are being made with wheat fibers. So if you happen to be allergic to wheat or gluten free, mm. and they're not proper, the ones that are, are not properly identified, so that could cause a little problem. Uh, wouldn't, that's that why be, I this. wouldn't that be good for Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba? Because you know they grow wheat there. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's why personally I bought a set of silicone ones because when there's paper straws, I'd never know if it's going to cause me to break out into hives or not. Now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not being particularly environmental. I just like to breathe. Understandable. Uh, <laughs> um, but Daniel Smith has another problem on her hands because when she introduced the Sovereignty Act, uh, she basically made this big show of saying, you know, it's Canada, you know, Alberta sovereignty within the United Canada. This is not about separation and this is not about all this. You know, and she tried to move that hot potato off her plate. Well, there's this guy named Barry Cooper who's a political science teacher, uh, a professor, I should say, at the University of Calgary political science program, uh, who apparently is one of the people that helped write this act and uh he basically came out and said that uh well we need to threaten to leave mm -hmm. in order to get to ottawa to come to the table to negotiate um and like this is the perfect way to do it uh and uh he kind of blew up her entire game uh, by doing that. It's uh, it just created her a whole big problem. I'm hoping to find the quote here, but it's just really something else that he said. Well, and, I, just wanna, uh, I just want to add to uh, the, the quote I just threw up a minute ago from Linda. Uh, True Earth okay. is also a Canadian company, by the way. Did you know that? Pardon? True Earth. Uh, they make a laundry strips, laundry, laundry detergent strips, and oh, they yes, have yes. stainless steel straws. Canadian company. Yep, yep. Uh, so there it goes. Canada's constitution is not a legitimate document and has not safeguarded Alberta's interest within federation, says one of the architects of that province's newly passed Sovereignty Act. And this is a quote. I want the constitution... I want the Constitution to be changed or we'll have another referendum, said Barry Cooper, referring to the independence referendums in Quebec in the 1980s and 1990s. Cooper is a professor of political science at the University of Calgary and one of the authors of the policy paper called the Free Alberta Strategy, seen as the unofficial blueprint for the Alberta sovereignty within a United Canada Act. Speaking to Matt Galloway on The Current, Cooper said that Canada is a federation but has never acted as such. Quote, it's time to change it, to turn it into a federation. If Canada doesn't want to do that, then the only alternative we have in order to defend our interests, like paper straws, mm -hmm. is to make sure that Canada does negotiate it, and that means the threat of leaving. I mean, right, that's right, right, clear. Like this, we're passing this, and like this, so that so that we can get what we want. We're going to threaten leaving. We're going to threaten blowing up the country. Now, one dude assumes a lot here mm -hmm. that the simple thing of threatening to leave means that you know we're going to come to the table and negotiate. Um, unlike Quebec, right? While you may not have agreed with the separation push, um, their separation push was because they legitimately believed because of language and culture, mm -hmm. that they formed a nation and could form a country. Much in the way Scotland thinks it, much in the way as the residents of Cal uh, Catalonia and Spain think it, but, you know, as 
you know, in the former Yugoslavia, you had the Serbs and the Croats and, you know. The big problem is you've got so many individuals in the province of Alberta that live in a, in a bias confirmation echo chamber that keep saying the same things over and over to one another, never verifying the truth. And I'll give you a, a for instance, a friend of mine who is a, a well-educated individual who was heavily involved with politics and at one point ran for a seat, said to me um, about a year or two ago that Jason Kenney, then Premier of the province of Alberta, We'll put an end to equalization payments and Alberta will get its money back. And I just looked at her and went, look, I get you're, you're, you're smart. You have your master's in, in political science and yada, yada, yada. But you're not that smart because he wrote the formula, number one. Number yeah. two, equalization payments aren't a thing. We all pay money into the same pot and then it gets distributed equally to those who need it the most. It's his formula. He wrote it. So what the hell is he going to end? No, Paul, you're wrong. I'm not going to argue this with you. Yep. The, facts are on, when, the facts are on my side. He wrote yep. it when he was a member of Harper's cabinet. And, and let's face it. Yep, keep going. Let's, let's face it. Um, they keep spewing the same garbage over and over again and believing the lies because it's not yep. true. It's not yep. true. Well, not only did he write it, he wrote it. And the epitaph is when oil was hitting around $140 a barrel in That's order right. to take more of the money. Yeah. Yes. And then when oil was dropping, it went into negative territory. That's when they were talking about it again. It's unfair because now they wanted to change it because mm -hmm. oil was low to be in their favor again. So when oil is really high, they want to change it so they can get more money. And when oil is low, they want to change it so that they lose less money. Yes. So it's not about equalization. It's about greed. That's all it is. It's about not wanting to share. <laughs> right it's ours it's, it's and, ours you and, can't have it it's all ours like we happen to be living on top of something that you know mother nature mm -hmm. thousands of years millions of years of you know shouldn't we ask the indigenous people how they feel about that <laughs> i mean shouldn't we ask the indigenous people indigenous peoples of this country how they feel about that because well it's their land but, i mean but that's exactly it i mean all of alberta is treaty territory right mm -hmm. uh and so it's but it's like, just because we happen to be living here, it's it's all ours, and we did everything. And it's like, there was a lot of money put in by the rest of Canada in order to get this industry off the ground in the first place. That's right. Right? So that like, gets conveniently forgotten. No, no. We never no, talked no. about that part. That's like, it's here, it's ours, we're the one that's doing all the work. And most of the work that you've been doing for decades is basically just pulling it out of the ground, mm -hmm. not doing anything to transform it putting it on something with wheels or in a pipeline and then shipping it and saying, wow, look at what smart, great businessman we are. Like this. I mean, it's kind of like that the, doesn't the, take the, much uh, thought to pull it out and ship it. Kind of like cable companies and satellite companies in this country that when cable companies were first getting up off the ground in the early 60s, they took um, signals from local television broadcasters that were in the air that you can pull in with a set of rabbit ears, right? And then mm -hmm. they'd redistribute that signal. So they got the signal for free, redistributed it through the cable system, and made you pay to, made you pay to see it. And the, and, the, and the television broadcaster said, okay, that's fine. We understand you're, it's going to take you a little while to get up off the ground and rolling, and we'll let you do that. Well, it was about 10 or 15 years ago when they had this hearing with the CRTC saying, hang on a second now. We paid for this. You need to start paying us back. Local television broadcasters whose signal is in the air that I get with a set of rabbit ears, 
they, they were getting a free signal and selling it to people. So that's a 100% profit margin. And the local station said, you got to give back to us because you've been taking our signal for all this time. So that money you're making on the basic package, which is basically local signals, you have to give us a portion of that. And they fought and fought and fought for it. Alberta's doing the same thing. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's ours. It's ours. No, no, no. We paid for it. We get our share back. Give me what you owe me. It's that simple. Right, right. And then, uh, of course, you had, you know, Daniel Smith making her thing, you know, her stupid statement about, like, Canada not being... <laughs> Jesus. not being an actual country or something of the oh, sort man. uh it's just uh, you know so um i mean she, she's just being completely ridiculous a little bit uh, what was it it's not like ottawa's a national government said smith the way our country works is that we are a federation of sovereign independent jurisdictions they are the they are one of those signatories to the constitution and the rest of us as signatories to the constitution have a right to exercise our sovereign powers in our own areas of jurisdiction i just but you don't believe that when the federal government does it like imposing carbon regulatory pricing mm-hmm it's a, it's just a one-way street um so and then you get this barry cooper guy again that keeps on going sometimes we have to stand up and raise our voices to make sure that our role in canada is well established but i think that overall we've done a good job on that front um now barry cooper very interestingly uh mr grizzly um if you'll put this up somebody sent me this um you know those rate uh your professors mm-hmm things um so his course is it for credit yes is the attendance is mandatory um basically i don't know what grade a minus in textbook yes well textbooks means you need one but here's the comment dr cooper's classes are a spew of conservative talking points that he offers little to no evidence to support other than this is just how it is he grades you based on your level of agreement and he really is just so stuck in his ideology you won't get much out of his class ouch Oh, that's good. Can, that's can good. you say liability, children? Oh, that's good. That's good. I knew you could. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Here, I got a graphic for you that uh, that resent me that I want to throw up here real quick. Um, it's the approval of Prime Minister Trudeau by age and gender. Uh, so you can see how it goes up and down here. Uh, male, female, 18 to 34, 35 to 54, and 55 plus. So I'm in the 35 to 54 category for a few more months. And that category seems to have gone up along with everybody else in September of 2022, with the exception of um, just the overall male category seems to have flatlined. But if you take a look here, you can see that 18 to 34 has gone up. It was really high, early, uh, I guess, January of 2022, around there. Mm-hmm. And by September 2020, it, it had dipped. And then by September 2022, it had gone back up in all categories. Looks like mm-hmm. back in 60, the 2015 election is when he peaked, of course. And, and look yeah. at, interestingly enough, the, the age range, 55 plus, was his highest, um, highest ranking at the time. Yeah. Back during the election. So I, I think the, the, uh, those of us in that category, which I will soon be, like I said, in, in July, I, I turned 55, which means I get the discount at Shoppers Drug Mart on 
Wednesdays, is it? Is it Wednesdays? <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy all the drugs. No, no, toilet paper, toilet paper, lots of toilet paper. No, I got a bidet. I don't need toilet paper. What do I need? I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, I got to go, though. Uh, I got to go. Oh, oh yeah, we got to wrap up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to be in the office in like 10 minutes, so oh, we got to wrap it up. Okay, well, I didn't get to the health information kits. Um, next show. So, next show. Uh, okay, uh, then let's wrap this up. Uh, One more graphic for you. There we go. Canadian Conservative Party leader Pierre Polliver is pushing for a law in Canada that would do away with political jargon and force politicians to speak plainly. <sighs> Freedom. I, I don't get Freedom. it. I don't get it. Anything that's released by the federal government is written to be at a fifth grade reading level. How much more plainly can you make it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, got to wrap it up. Okay, that's the end of this episode of Just a Nibble, the Not Quite Daily Beef podcast. We hope you love listening to us because we loved making this for you because democracy is something you do. Um, if you have the opportunity and you have a little bit of change jingling in your pockets, please make a donation to Cornerstone Housing for Women. Please. Uh, they've had a bit of a tough year with the fire and uh, with pandemic stuff and protests and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they provide help to over 200 women every day. Um, so please, uh, it's a worthwhile cause. Very much uh, so. If you really like, pardon? Very much so. Yes. If you really like this podcast, you can find us on the Dean Blundell Network, as well as anywhere as you get all your podcasts featuring a grizzly bear and a beaver. And I don't know why I said as you get, but anywhere you get. <laughs> um, please share the podcast. We love your feedback. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and our email is truenortheagerbeaver at gmail.com. You can subscribe via PodPage at podpage.com, the True North Eager Beaver, with a hyphen between each one of those words. If you really, really love our podcast, uh, please encourage us to do more by leaving a little something in our tip chart. You can find that at coffee, ko-com slash eagerbeaver. That's ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver. If you would like some eager beaver merch, perhaps a Mr. Grizzly Civics tea or perhaps a very, very stylish Christmas tea, uh, we can do that at our merch store. We have sizes from three to small to three XL. There you Tripping go. over my tongue at the end. Uh, go to deanblundell.square.site slash s slash shop to get yourself some fabulous today. And a gentle correction towards my for myself, actually. In our last show, when I was talking about the World Club, uh, I said that there were eight countries and so only one that was not European was Morocco. I lied because, of course, Brazil and Argentina were part of the top eight, and they are not European countries nope. at all. <laughs> no, they are not. I completely had a brain fart there so uh that was a, just a self-correction when i listened to the episode again go what am i talking about morocco is african uh, argentina yes. and brazil are south american yeah so it was five of the eight that were european mm-hmm. uh and uh wow morocco eh holy crap beating portugal wow england and portugal uh, had defeated switzerland like six one or something yeah, seven, so one, seven, one. Were seven one england england yeah. scored an own goal to knock themselves out of the tournament yep Yep. So, but also France versus Morocco. Yeah, that's Ooh. going to be interesting just from the colonial standpoint. Yeah. Ooh, and France are the defending champions as well. Uh, so, just so you go, how dare you be human, Douglas? <laughs> oh, and by the way, if you've seen, uh, we did a little bit of redecorating. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, you got a, a whiteboard up. The kids behind me. 
Yeah. <laughs> From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it could be a tough world out there. So please be kind to and gentle with yourself. Mr. Grizzly, words of wisdom. Start us off right. I'm going to do my best here. Um, eat fiber. It will help you. Trust me. <laughs> and uh, kids, if you haven't uh, seen uh, the Mellows Christmas concert, uh, we could really use your help because uh, all arts organizations took a big hit during COVID. So if you like uh, choral music uh, that's not jingly, go to mellows-earlymusic.org and please download our concert. People have been doing it and really love it. And Excellent. that's it. Mr. Grizzly, please roll the credits. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research, story, and guest curation, and copy written by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com, and thank you to Pete Jarvis for our artwork. We love it. Kits, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Take care. See you. Bye, everyone. Have a fantastic week. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver Media Podcast. The True North Eager Beaver Podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.